Hi there, thanks for tuning in to College Recruiting with Jill Hicks. If you haven't checked it out yet, head on over to jhicksconsulting.com to check out college recruiting resources, consulting services, and Jill's exciting new membership site, Recruiting 101. We hope you enjoy this next podcast here on College Recruiting with Jill Hicks. Welcome back, everybody, to College Recruiting with Jill Hicks. Really excited, of course, once again with um, the actual guests that I invited um, to share with all of you today. I think this is actually going to be probably a surprise um, in some ways to a lot of you as parents, um, but also very educational. And the reason I say surprise is because you all, all you parents out there, are working so hard right now to help your gymnast just to get recruited to college, let alone starting to think about what it's going to be like once they're there. You aren't even probably even thinking about that unless maybe you have a senior who's now done with high school and they're going to be moving on to college actually this week or next week to start summer school and then get rolling with their new college team. But some of you have asked me, um, what is it like to be a parent of a student athlete who's in college versus when they're at home and you're raising them and you're taking them to gym and you are really their major advocate their whole life since they were little and you slowly maybe started to give them some independence, but now you know they're going off to school, some of them far away. Some of them um, in situations where you're not even sure you've hardly met the head coach before. So I wanted to bring uh, one of my past um, JH families. Welcome, Robin. To Thank you, Jill. Thank you for inviting me. And Robin's daughter was one of my clients who actually got a scholarship to Arizona State and just recently graduated. Um, what did she graduate in kinesiology? Is that right? Yeah, she uh, finished with a degree in kinesiology and she was also in the Barrett Honors College as well. Wow. Yeah. Not surprised. <laughs> so from the outside, how exciting, right? Yes. But you and I both know because we were just conversing about this. There's so much that happens when our gymnasts go off to college and we don't talk about it that much. And we sort of assume from the fun TV that we see them out there competing that, wow, you know, the sparkles and the, you know, the smiles on their faces and just the joy they're having mm -hmm. that, wow, this must be so, you know, smooth and fun. And, you know, that's, that's part of the reward is what we see visually from the outside. But what I want to talk about today is really the role of the parent once they're, you know, in the dorm and they're not at home anymore and they're going to practice and then eventually starting their classes. So thank you, Robin, for taking the time to answer some of my questions today, because I really think it's going to benefit so many families that haven't even thought about what that's going to be like. I mean, that's exactly it. Nobody prepares us as parents for this. We do. We spend a lot of time preparing our kids, having them talk to coaches. Um, but once they step foot on that campus, you know, in a lot of ways, we as parents 
you know, can figuratively or literally kind of get kicked to the curb a bit. And so it does result in a lot of transition between child and parent and the sport and the academics. And uh, so I think there is a lot of beneficial information that can be shared yeah. for sure. On one hand, if you're just a student going to college, it has its own things that come up mm -hmm. as a, for the parent. But now you throw in the athletic side. And one cool part, and you can maybe, I didn't um, mention this to you, but all the benefits there are for athletes in their support systems that they have now are amazing, right? Are. What, what do they have at ASU that you felt um, just right out of the gate was supportive for Jordan? You know, we felt very blessed um, having her attend ASU. Uh, you know, they have a whole entire program in circle around, you know, kind of supporting the athlete and the athletes as a general group at ASU all become very, very close from athlete dinners, you know, they, you know, getting fed three to four times a week with the athlete groups as a whole, um, attending athlete functions, um, you know, doing all of their weights and, and, um, you know, kind of practices outside of the gym per se in that, you know, in that athlete center where they all work with the same physical therapists and doctors and trainers and all of that. So the amount of support and then around the educational side of things, I mean, they're, they have their own dedicated advisors that, that help guide their whole entire academic journey and um, spend a lot of time, you know, working their schedules around their athletics. Um, mm -hmm. Jordan, you know, doing the kinesiology program. And she not only had, you know, certain classes that she had to take at certain times, but she also had honors projects that she had to complete. And there might be only one specific time that she was allowed to do that. And it would conflict with practice. And the the work and the effort that they undertook to support her so that she could not only still continue to practice her sport and, you know, be part of the ASU team, but also excel academically was, was a huge benefit. Um, so, yeah, that would be to me probably that academic and athletic combined support. So would you say during the official visit, did you feel like as a parent, you had a pretty good picture of what it was going to be like once she stepped on the campus as a freshman, or did you feel like you got information from Jordan throughout the first few weeks? I know they, the, at Oregon State, we had a big barbecue with all the mm -hmm. athletes, and then we had meetings, and all the athletes had to be there, and the, you know the president would be there, the athletic directors would be there, and they'd all explain how happy they were to have them and what support systems were like, but did you mm -hmm. feel like on her recruiting trips, um, you were able to kind of embrace what that might be like, or did it come more after she was actually practically on the campus? I think the answer is both. Um, they did an amazing job on the recruiting visits of introducing us to all the aspects of being an athlete from 
you know, meeting the, you know, vice president of athletics to, you know, having dinner with other athletes and other athlete families and, and meeting other members of the team. We had a chance to meet um, the person who was going to be her academic advisor throughout the four years and spend a good amount of time talking to him and talking about to him about what he would be, you know, kind of how he would be supporting her. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, the visits themselves were very, very useful, but the, you can't cover everything mm-hmm. at a visit. Mm-hmm. And so over time, you know, Jordan herself was learning about the different things that she had available. The, the one thing that she found extremely valuable her freshman year was the required study hall hours that in most universities oh. usually always have that for the freshman year. Oh, yeah. She took advantage of those all the time because it was a great chance for her to just kind of segregate herself from practice and from class and go in and, and you know, commit her time to studying and, and you know, focusing on her academics. Love so yeah, I would say the answer would be both for sure. Yeah. Okay. So my first question uh, formally to you is what was Jordan's freshman year like? Did she share with you how she was doing the same as when she was at lived at home or did it change? Oh, her freshman year was a huge journey. Um, when these kids step onto that college campus, we have to keep in mind that this is a culmination of many years of hopes and dreams, hard work, blood, sweat, and tears. Um, the expectations when they step foot onto that campus that first day is huge. It's, mm-hmm. it's gigantic. Mm-hmm. Um, so her freshman year, just like most athletes, started off with tons of excitement and energy. But as, you know, she moved into the year and, and, you know, she started kind of living the daily life, she started to be faced with some real challenges. Um, And most of all these challenges helped her grow a ton personally. Mm -hmm. Uh, This transition, it really was a kind of a transition from high school to college Mm -hmm. where she had to juggle intense preseason training. Um, The training in the preseason is, Mm -hmm. is. She used to say, mom, I dread preseason. Season's great. You know, mm-hmm. preseason is hard. Mm-hmm. And so they are dealing with all of that um, tough practices, a lot of strength training, team workouts. And then they're having to balance that with the academic side. I'm trying to adjust from to the, you know, from high school classes to college classes, mm-hmm. um, expectations, learning how to take tests. And navigate, you know, all of those kind of uncertainties. Um, I actually put this question to Jordan and asked her mm-hmm. for her feedback on kind of what she felt was a larger challenge. And she said that probably her biggest challenge was adapting to what she called more of the business-like or performance-based culture mm-hmm. coming from a club program that was very nurturing, family-oriented, very focused on growing the individual mm-hmm. into a confident young woman. You go into college and it's more of maybe not necessarily what's best for you is what's best for the team and more of the focus on the team aspect. So being able to navigate that and still still feel valued and a part of the team, um, that was probably a large um, challenge for her. Kind of to your second point, did she share as much? Mm-hmm. Um, 
Yeah, she did continue to share a lot mm. with me uh, going into it. The thing that I probably noticed the most was um, she she used me more as a soundy board, you know, mm -hmm. for the challenges that she was facing, but she didn't always necessarily want my advice. Mm. And that was a hard one for me because I had spent so many years guiding her and, and giving her advice on how to handle situations and, and things like that, that all of a sudden she was here facing these challenges and she wanted me to support and listen, but she didn't really want to hear my opinion. Oh my and, God. Um, so that was a challenge yeah. that I faced and it was really learning how to give her the listening ear to be the support that she wanted to listen, understand, and just be there for her. Wow. Um, and, and it was a little bit of letting go. A little bit of letting yeah. go. I mm -hmm. love that. Cause yeah. you and Jordan have always been so close. Very close. We still like, are. You know, yeah. Yeah. Just changes. Different. And you want it to, because yeah. you want her to rely on her learning in her own inner side inside of herself mm -hmm. eventually for when she's out there or farther away or in her own world you want to be a sounding board you always want to be available exactly but this is how they grow up right mm -hmm. just nobody yep. explains it and so it no just, they don't <laughs> I think it can be really hard on both ends, but especially on the parent, because you sort of, you feel like your value changes. It does very you know? much changes and nobody tells you when it's going to change. Yeah. And so, you know, it's not till you kind of get that SWAT aside, you know, that knock on the head Yeah. Of your kid that says, sorry, mom, I don't want that anymore. In fact, I found myself at times listening, saying, okay, what is it you want? Do you mm -hmm. want me to give you advice or do you want me to just listen hmm. um to kind of gauge the tone on what it was she was looking for at that because it it would change you know what she really needed mm -hmm. at the same time yeah so did she connect right out of the gate also with her teammates or do you feel like there was some aloneness feelings that she had um how did she manage with she was very, very blessed again in that aspect. The entire team was phenomenal. The relationship with the girls from the day she walked in, um, there were five freshmen that started in the same group that she started with. Um, two of the other uh, freshmen, Izzy and Jules, uh, were also in the Honors College. And so they ended up all being roommates and from their freshman year and stayed roommates and best friends all the way through. Um, to graduation. Yeah. And then the, the, the rest of the teammates, you know, they very close relationships, they all developed, uh, you know, you always get a little bit of drama here and there in any kind of sport. It just kind of par for the course, but I can really say overall, probably mostly drama free from a, you know, teammate dynamic standpoint, you know, they all really kind of looked out, looked after each other. So yeah. I just want to say, having been a college coach for 20 years, I always felt like there was that honeymoon phase right, right when they arrived yes. for two weeks, they're not sleeping, they're all excited, mm -hmm. they have this freedom, you know, they're setting up their rooms and da 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 and then you kind of get to just before Thanksgiving, so there's how many weeks, eight weeks in there. Yeah, it's, it's a long fall. 
and their bodies are dying because they're so sore and you're doing way more conditioning than um, because they have to go to weightlifting and it's just a whole different system Mm -hmm. than club. And then right before Thanksgiving, and I would talk to all the other coaches about this same thing. They'd be like, like this, I don't know if I like this. I don't know if I want to do this. And they can't wait to go home. And then they go home and they come back and they can see the light at the end of the tunnel. And their routines are coming together. They're strong, they're fit. Mm -hmm. They got to go home and sleep a little bit, see family. And then they come back and it's like, they're they're all in. You're just like, it's the coolest thing. And there's only so many weeks and they get to start competing. They can't wait to see, am I gonna make the lineup? And Mm -hmm. will I be traveling? And then all of a sudden meets are just like, fun for the most very fast from that point yeah yeah so parents parents that period of eight weeks (laughs) before they it's a long eight weeks (laughs) it's probably when you're going to get some of the most challenging you know phone calls and And it's that first eight weeks of the freshman year because I can honestly say from each year after that they know what to expect. Yes. Preseason is what preseason is. They know, yeah. and they know how to navigate it. They know yes. what's expected. It's, it becomes, you know, they're experts at it by that point, but that freshman year, especially for an athlete that is moves away from home. Yeah. I think, and is, is a, because it's hard, especially if you're quite a distance, we're lucky. It's an hour flight from here to Phoenix right. here in Denver. Right. So, you know, I was able to go down and visit quite often and kind of keep that connection. But for athletes who have, you know, parents who maybe live on the West coast and they're traveling to the East coast, yeah, it's hard because it's not an easy trip either way for the parents to visit or whatnot. So yeah, it's a right. uh, freshman year is definitely an adjusting time for sure. So good. Okay. On to number two, which is a big one. What year did Jordan hurt her knee? What was that her? Sophomore? It was uh it was literally um, end of November of her freshman year. So it oh, was freshman year. November of 2019. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So bummer she, time to have that happen. She tore her ACL. ACL tear. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Tell, walk us through that. I think that's another whole thing that parents don't have any idea how to navigate it's so different than when they're right with you every day in your home going through yes. it. Yes. Yes. So it's it, you know, again, you know, thinking, you know, kind of putting yourself into that freshman year process where all the girls are in preseason and they're, you know, already competing for lineup spots. Mm-hmm. And Jordan was having a very strong, very strong preseason her freshman year. And, you know, things were looking great. She was excited. Um, And they, you know, right before season and right before the, you know, kind of the December inner squad period, I call it, they always start having practices in the main arena so they can start getting used to the landing surfaces and things like that. And she was practicing bars and just did a simple double back off of bars, landed and snap ACL. And uh, at the time, what I never realized with an ACL tear is they could still walk around on it. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, so she calls me in tears. Her trainer said she thought that maybe they had torn it, but they didn't know for sure. And um, next day they did an MRI. And then I get a call from Jay confirming that, that it was an ACL tear. 
some meniscus damage, some things like that, and she was going to have to have surgery. Now, ACL, minimum, before you can do anything is six months. Mm -hmm. From the time you have the surgery, six months of absolutely nothing. And then at the six-month mark, once they're cleared, it's very gradual comeback, very gradual. So timeline on an ACL is about a year. Yep. And so her freshman year, getting that news, I mean, the, the emotions and mm. everything that was going around that, um, disappointment, you know, what is my role going to be for the team this year? Am I going to be able to come back? Yeah. Um, all of those things were, were so huge. And then as a parent who didn't live in the same town, mm-hmm. she's going to these doctor's appointments. Um, ASU, again, you know, kudos to them. Amazing medical group t- team that, you know, takes care of all the athletes. So they pretty much um, took care of all of her medical uh, needs, made sure she had the appointments she needed. They uh, work exclusively with a number of, you know, surgeons, well-known surgeons out of the Mayo Clinic in Scottsdale. And so her surgeon was, you know, pretty renowned in the area of ACL repairs. Um, So we knew she had the best team on her side. Mm -hmm. But again, it's really hard from a distance, you know, when you see them going through all that. I was lucky. I went down and I spent time with her. I was there for her surgery. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was there for a week after to help her rehab. And uh, so it was easy for me to go back and forth to kind of give her that support. She didn't you know, feel completely abandoned while she was going through it. She always had our, you know, emotional support, but also our physical support by us coming down to see her. So yeah, that was a big challenge her freshman year for sure. Um, so, so Jay gave you a call, the head coach, mm-hmm. right after he knew the results of the MRI. Right. That's pretty normal family mm-hmm. out there. I just want you to know most college coaches, you know, they're going to call the parent and have a discussion. It's a major surgery. So, and they're probably going to give you a plan. This is what it looks like. This is the doctor who's going to do the surgery and, and walk you through all the insurance and all the things that you have to do. Um, typically that's, that's, um, you know, something most coaches will do. Um, but the day to day, when they start having to go to treatment and they have to get to these, uh, appointments and, you know, like, luckily you're in a place where it's sunny, like the girls who are in a place where it's snowy mm-hmm. and they have to crutch or get from class to class, they're still expected to yep. go to everything. So that's another big tricky part that, you know, most programs uh, have a plan in place to help the mm-hmm. athlete manage all of that because it's a big, a big change and it's exhausting. I think yeah. what I found when girls would go through these kind of surgeries was they were just so tired. It was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She relied a lot on her teammates who had cars. Um, you know, after the Christmas holiday, we took her car back down to her. She didn't have her car down there her okay. first part of her freshman year. And we took, you know, got her the handicap placard. So she was able to park okay. in those places that she needed to on campus. But then there were times that she did have to take adva- uh, advantage of ASU has a, uh, a um, cart service mm-hmm. where she could schedule, you know, somebody to pick her up, drive her to her classroom in situations where she had a longer walk 
things mm-hmm. like that. But yeah, she was six weeks non-weight bearing. So she kind of had to navigate that process right? as well on her own. I couldn't help her with that. Right. And it's so hard as a mom when you're far away and you know, they're going through that. It's just heartbreaking because yeah, it is you know, their hearts already broken that their season is now going to be completely different. Yeah. Um, and so you really want to monitor that if you're, if you're able to, as a parent to really check in, how you doing, you know, and hopefully they have a coach or an assistant coach or somebody who's bringing them back into the fold and helping them find a, you know, their role now as an athlete, who's going to be more supportive in, in the midst of all the treatment that they go through and all the appointments and the fatigue and trying to get to class. I mean, it's, it's definitely challenging and you do see a lot of growth when they go through that because. Well, and that was the, that's the one thing I could point out from our experience as really, truly, there's always a silver lining to every negative thing that happens. You can always find something positive that comes out of it. And um, just to add one more thing kind of to the challenges that she faced, if you think about it, you know, she was injured in December of, of 2019, or has she had her surgery in December of 2019? And in her mind, she had marked May as being her comeback or the, the time that she would be able to start practicing again and hopefully be strong and ready to hit the floor again, you know, that following her sophomore year preseason. And as we all painfully know, May of 2020, we were all home locked down with COVID. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so here she was trying to maintain strength when there's no gyms open, mm-hmm. no PT available. I mean, mm-hmm. she wasn't even on campus to go to the, the physical therapist on campus. Wow. And so she learned then that, you know, she had to own this. This was completely on her mm-hmm. and her success mm-hmm. that following year was completely driven by how much she was able to do herself to keep her set her strength up, to keep physically in shape to keep, you know, building the strength in her quads, all those things. She started biking. She would bike. Mm. I don't even remember how many miles she would bike, but she was biking like a crazy lady for, you know, and and getting outdoors and and hiking and doing what she could during that time when there was nothing else that she could do. I'm not surprised. Um, And so lesson learned, I mean, again, is ownership. Mm -hmm. Ownership, taking ownership for your own situation, not playing the victim, but taking it and saying, you know, I'm going to turn this into something positive with, you know, everything that I can do to make it better. And that's what she did. Wow. You must be so proud. I know every time I saw her compete, you know, after the injury, I was almost in tears. Yes. Oh, I know what that's, I've been through it with so many athletes and it's, it's a journey that not everybody makes it through. Nope. You know, and because it does require so much mental strength yeah, to get through that. And can you, I mean, I don't know what it was like with her trainer, but that's when these trainers are like, she had an, that was, let's, they, they had a little bit of train over turnover during her okay. years there, but the trainer that was there at the time that she got hurt was, we was fantastic. Um, and then you know, there was a transition and I think, I don't remember when it was occurred. It might've been around the COVID time 
So there was a little bit of a drop off where she had to kind of, again, jump in and start to advocate for herself with the new trainers. Okay. Make sure that, um, you know, there was the correct amount of communication and transparency around, you know, what she was doing and, and how many reps of things she was doing and, you know, when the pain was, she was starting to feel pain and not. And it's really hard for these athletes to admit when they're in pain because that very well can pull them off the floor. Right. You know, so the, you know, the, the first, you know, their gut reaction is to kind of grin and bear it and get through it. Uh, but it's so important that they keep that communication open with their trainers Yeah, uh, for the long-term health so they can last the four years. We could probably do a whole podcast just on injury exactly. college and how best to manage that because yeah, it's a sure. beast. I mean, it it really it's a and full those subject. Trainers, those trainers are my angels. I used yes. to think, oh my gosh, they were so good with our athletes. I, yeah. I was fortunate. Both universities I coached at had the best. Yeah. Very top. A trainer knowledge. can make or break an athlete's experience um, for sure. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. interesting. Okay. So let's give the positive of this. So she ended yes. up, I saw her compete floor and I saw her compete vault. Uh-huh. After the ACL. Yep. And did she do some bars or being? She did I- not do any bars. No, bars okay. was probably going into college was her weakest event. Yeah. Um, she was doing very well and looking like she probably would make bar lineup her freshman year when she was going in because she okay. was, but the, the, in, that was one injury that substantially, she had a huge setback in mostly because um, of her dismount she just could not get back to the level of dismount that she would have needed. She continued to practice bars for the majority of the years that she was there, just kind of just in case and, you know, kind of keep up her skills. And then finally in her senior year, I think they kind of came to the agreement that, you know, she could be done with bars. And I think she was. I I could not believe (laughs) she looked, she was gorgeous. You know, she, she, really hard on her fitness. She was always fit, yeah. but you know what? Sometimes when they go through injuries, it's, it, it change, their bodies it change is. and yeah. it's hard, yeah. but she, you know, kudos to her when, and the whole team and how they yeah. impacted her fitness. So, and she loved, she loved being able to do, you know, floor and vault. Um, she did some beam beam was a little bit tougher because she kind of missed out on that. What I would call the, the time when you can kind of get your jitters out maybe. Mm. And by that point, you know, it had a really strong beam like beam lineup. Yeah. So, you know, uh-huh. her contributions on vault and floor ended up being pretty strong. Her junior so most girls yeah. when I was coaching 20 years ago, or not that long ago, but you know, through those years, they never came back from an ACL on or not never. Most of the time they would do bars and beam because yeah. the, because it's nowadays. the vault and, and floor are the two highest and nowadays, symptoms. you exactly. know. They come I know on all the events. So that's really neat. All right. Moving you know, on. and going back, I'm going to bring up one more positive here okay. too, which, which was a negative at the time. If you think about her freshman year into her sophomore year and the, and the, and the COVID, you know, layering in over that mm-hmm. and the delay, it pretty much delayed her comeback beyond her. She really didn't come back until her junior year yep. because of that, which, you know, can be devastating for an athlete, but in her situation, I think that extra year mm-hmm. of letting her heal ended up being a real positive 
because she, you know, she was able to endure floor and vault for two years after that without a re-tear, tearing the other side. I mean, the incidences of having a tear on the other ACL are, are fairly, yeah. fairly high. Yeah. So, you know, again, I think there's always a hidden positive somewhere when they're navigating a lot of these challenges for sure. Okay, that, Robin. That's really neat. All right. So what would you say, looking back at all those experiences, what would you say is your role as a, as a parent um, of a college student athlete? If you had to identify it with just, you know, maybe one word, what word would you use to describe your role? Um, I would probably say supportive. Mm -hmm. I made it a priority when she headed off to college that I wanted to be the person that she could always count on, regardless of her, her performance or whether she made lineup or not. Mm -hmm. And I wanted her to know that my support was never based on her success or her talent, mm -hmm. but it was really more based on her passion and her overall well-being, probably. Um, I wanted her to feel that whether it be gymnastics, academics, or life in general, that I would always be there for her and I would always be her number one fan. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of set out to really more foster what she considered were her passions, the things that she enjoyed, whether it be the sport, whether it be something in academics mm -hmm. or, you know, something she was doing just outside of school and at athletics. I wanted to foster that and I didn't want the focus to be on, you know, did she make life? Was she going to come to you know, uh, things like that. So that was kind of, I would say supportive. I wanted her to always have a soft place to land. Okay. That's really yeah. neat. I like how you put that. Um, so if you had to give parents advice on the preparation or, you know, they, what they can be doing in their junior and senior year of high school and club gymnastics, let's say, <clears throat> what would you say that would, I know a lot of it, you can't do until they get there. I mean, you just can't articulate, you can't tell them at the breakfast table. Okay. Now when you get to college, you're going to blah, blah, blah. And I'm going to pull back and you, I'll be just supportive. And, you know, you could say yeah. all those things and they would probably be going, what are you talking about? Exactly. <laughs> you know what? You're, you're always going to be there for me and I'm yeah. going to love it. And it's going to be fun and yes, you know not. You, can't, you can't really articulate that but there are what I thought stood out to me something you said earlier was the whole idea of taking responsibility mm -hmm. and how we as parents oh it's a hard one <clears throat> you know to to uh provide that opportunity when they're young and in your home and you're seeing them not take responsibility, whether it's chores at home, whether mm -hmm. it's their schoolwork, whether it's how they talk about their coach, or I know one thing my dad was really good at was <clears throat> it drove me batty. But when I'd come home from gym and I'd be so frustrated with whatever, however the coach was, or just, you know, all the things that you feel as a young teenager and he would never um, give in to siding with me. 
he would always either get quiet and allow me to think, or he would help me by saying, well, have you thought about this mm -hmm. from the coach's angle, for example? And when I look back at that, I realize he was setting me up for becoming um, an athlete or a person in life who, you know, took responsibility for, mm -hmm. for the whole situation, not just yeah. my side or my feelings or, <clears throat> you know, making it seem like they're the bad guy. You're the good guy. I totally agree with you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that was just one little thing that I look back on as to how my dad prepared me for life, life skill, really. Yeah. It's a life skill. It is. Yeah. It is. Um, You'll see a lot of parents that will still um, helicopter mm -hmm. over their kids, even through college. Okay. Share a little bit of Tell me a little bit more about that, because I don't think parents like set out to do that. I think they it's fear based. They're afraid of the letting their I think child. I think it's some of that. I think there's an, an element of control as well. Control. OK, wanting to be able to control the outcome for their child. Mm -hmm. um, I honestly can't tell you personally what motivates that, because that's not how I operate and it's really never been how I operate. So for me, watching it is, I'm kind of like, hmm, what, you know, why would you want to do that? But, but there is a lot of it. Um, so this is really kind of a loaded question for me because I could go on and on and on and on and on as to what I think are important things to consider. And I think it starts when, even earlier, let's say before, let's say when you put your kid in the athletics, okay. what's your goal of the athletics? And I've oftentimes reflected through our experience here that if we had never put Jordan in gymnastics, mm -hmm. we could have paid for college and her PA school. <laughs> so true. I, I, the amount of money that we spent in athletics for our kids mm -hmm. could have paid for college. So. Mm -hmm. I always want to encourage any parent to say, don't expect a college scholarship. Um, don't go into sports expecting that they're going to do college sports and they're going to get a scholarship. That's not the reason for doing this. You need to look at, they need to look at the intangible benefits that their children are going to get from playing sports. And, and once your child gets to a point where they have a passion for their sport, then I would say the key thing is to support them. Don't push them. Mm -hmm. um, the goal has to be theirs. It, it can't be the parent's goal. Um, it can't be the family's goal. It's got to be the child or the athlete's goal to go to college if they want that and, and pursue a, a scholarship. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so for me, those are kind of the baseline recommendations that I would I would give to any parent that's that's having their child participate in in any kind of an athletic sport. Mm -hmm. uh, as you kind of move into high school and 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 your child is really truly wanting to go that route, you know, I think early discussions, uh, first of all, around the academics, 
because to me, that is the most important thing. That's what your child is going to take with you, with them when they graduate. You know, they're not, yeah, there are some sports that they can continue to do, but gymnastics is mm-hmm. not one of them. You know, the body can't hold up that long. And so the, the choosing the school that has the academics that they want, that's the right fit, um, not only from, you know, the sports side, but really, really emphasizing that academics and ec- emphasizing academics while they're in high school, creating those options for them so that they're not being pushed into one choice because that's all they have, but giving them more choices. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say those are, you know, encourage open dialogue with them about what their dreams and their goals are mm-hmm. in college. Mm-hmm. Is, is very important. It creates foundation for many future discussions that they'll have down the road, including when they're out of college, whether they want to go to graduate school or medical school or mm-hmm. you, or they're done. They don't want to do, you know, is college really for everybody? You know, not, it may not be for every athlete either. So I think having those conversations early on and keeping that dialogue open is really important. Um, Encouraging them independence and responsibility, as we just talked about, you know, allow them to make decisions that if they make a mistake, it's not going to be earth shattering at that young age. They they can learn from the consequence then and they become more comfortable making those decisions so that when they get to college and they're all of a sudden by themselves and they have to make a decision, they've already done some. They kind of feel comfortable in their skin making decisions and and then accepting the consequences of those decisions once they make them. I, I think that that's really important. Um, well-rounded education, uh, you know, spending time researching college programs, go to some gymnastics meets, you know, look at the different schools, you know, D1, D2, D3, D1 may not be for every athlete, right? You know, there's a huge difference between D1, D2, and D3. And I know a lot of girls that have done D3 programs that love it, you know, um, and they chose it because of the ability to be able to not only do the sport that they loved, but it had the right academics for them. It was the right fit for them. Right. So, you know, and I think really encouraging and cultivating mental resilience Mm. nowadays is you know, I almost maybe would have rearranged and put that as number one, Mm. because these athletes, the pressures that they have nowadays on them, they're all perfectionists Mm -hmm. and the pressures that they have on them. And that, you know, meeting expectations in their sport, meeting expectations in, you know, with their academics, Uh, mental health is huge Mm -hmm. with athletes right now. Um, And one of the things Jordan had done was she got involved at at ASU with the mental health committee and was actually the president of that committee her senior year. But she felt it was extremely important because she could see it every day Mm -hmm. in the athletes, the struggles that they were facing um, with depression and the mental challenges that that these girls all go through. They all face it at some point. Yes. And some are hit harder than others. And I think that teaching them young to do that is is huge mm-hmm. um and then i think last and definitely not the least seek <laughs> guidance 
from all of our professionals. <clears throat> um, build relationships with the coaches, um, you know, use the academic advisors at the schools. Mm -hmm. And then obviously, Jill, we could have done it without you. Take advantage of, of college recruitment consultants, your, your team. It's to be able to get the information and get true baselines as to what, when we don't know what they're going to need. You know, somebody who's been through it, who's seen it, who has watched other athletes go through it. It's it's um, experience that is so worth it. I, you know, I don't know what we would have done not having you assist us with that mm -hmm. process as well. So I know I had to give you a little plug there, Jill, but um, <laughs> it was, I'm serious. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not joking. Yeah. Yeah, because it did. I think the, the thing I remember working with you and Jordan was, you know, there, she wasn't getting a lot of um, she got a few schools that were responding. And mm -hmm. then <clears throat> I think I bumped into ASU and or something. And I talked to them about, you know, Jordan. And the next thing you know, they were totally on. Yeah, no, you guys, you guys were like, when it rains, it pours. <laughs> yeah. You were yeah. like, wait, what does this mean? Or what does yeah. that mean? It wasn't yeah. so much. It's weird. It's like the advice we're giving, I think as advisors, a lot of times is directional, but a lot of times it's just be a sounding board, just yeah. like you were saying you are to Jordan, because mm -hmm. it brings so much relief to go for a parent and an athlete to go is, should we do this? Yes. You doing that, but then they did this. So should we do that? Yeah. You know, and I'm like, yeah, do this, you know, because it's like, for me, it's an easy, I've just done it for so long. And I was on both, I've been on both sides of this. And so, yeah. and then it brings relief to you guys. Okay. Okay. We'll go do that. You know, it's like, well, and, and not only that, Jill, things change so fast. Mm. Um, when we were going through the process, we did phone calls and emails. Mm-hmm. You know, we put videos up on YouTube, send them a link to the YouTube channel and they yeah. would subscribe and they would watch the videos. But, you know, it was really pretty simple. Mm -hmm. Now we've got, you know, all this social media mm -hmm. attention that they're, that they're. Mm -hmm. Oh. So, and I think for me, the last uh, item that I would probably recommend to any parent would be seek guidance from professionals, uh, people that are around you that have expertise in an area that you don't have an expertise in. I would recommend building relationships with your coaches, um, taking advantage of the academic advisors at your child's school. And then definitely, definitely, you know, take advantage of, of, you know, college recruiters like Jill here who helped us tremendously. I wanted to give her a little personal plug on that. Um, we couldn't with that. So many things that we encountered in the process that we didn't know, you know, how to, how to attack it. And, you know, from marketing, you know, it's hard for a child athlete to go out and sell themselves, you know, and to really emphasize the, the qualities in themselves that a coach is going to be looking for. And so to receive the advice and the support around 
you know, the timing of marketing and, and, you know, the efforts that they need to put out to, to be recognized and noticed is we, we, had, we had no idea how to go about doing that. And, you know, when we were doing that four years ago, it was very different than it is nowadays. I'm, I, I, you know, still have you on Facebook and I, watch some of your videos and your webcasts that you're doing and the things that the girls are having to do now to promote themselves Mm -hmm. are almost 10 times what Jordan had to do, you know, six years ago when she was in the recruiting process. So just working with somebody who's up to speed on all that. And as things change, who's up to speed on the changes and, and what colleges are wanting to see and understands how to use the new technology is so important. We couldn't have gotten that mm. on our own. Right. That would be overall recommendation that I could offer another parent. Well, thank you, Robin, so much for joining us here on College Recruiting with Jill Hicks. And I know this topic's going to be very popular. Thanks so much for joining us today on the podcast. And until next time, we are in your corner. Stay tuned for more great content for the parent and athlete here on College Recruiting with Jill Hicks.